Live updates, clashes spread across Sudan on second day of fighting. Andres R. Martinez Andres R. Martinez Abdi Latif Tahir 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 Declan Walsh Farah Mohammed Abdi Latif Tahir Abdi Latif Tahir Abdi Latif Tahir Andres R. Martinez Edward Wong Farnas Fasihai Abdi Latif Tahir Abdi Latif Tahir Abdi Latif Tahir Abdi Latif Tahir Anushka Padal Declan Walsh Abdi Latif Tahir Abdi Latif Tahir Anushka Padal Abdi Latif Tahir Anushka Padal Declan Walsh Anushka Padal Abdi Latif Tahir Pinned Nairobi, Kenya, fighting intensified on Sunday across the capital of Sudan and in the rest of western Darfur region as months of rising tensions between factions of the country's armed forces spiraled into an all-out battle, dashing remaining hopes of a transition to civilian rule. As the deadly clashes in Sudan entered a second day, it remained unclear who was in control of the African nation, with the rival armed forces each claiming to hold key military and civilian installations. At least 56 people were dead and almost 600 injured, mostly in the capital, Khartoum, where residents hid in their homes through the night and the scent of gunpowder and ash hung in the air. We don't know what's happening, Dalia Mohammed Abdelmaniam, a resident of the Al Almarat neighborhood near Khartoum's airport, said by phone, over the din of a fighter jet streaking through the sky. She and her family remained huddled in the middle of their home on Sunday morning for fear that bullets could hurtle through the windows. The chaos was an alarming turn for Sudan, a large, strategic state that serves as a bridge between North and Sub-Saharan Africa, and that only four years ago saw a jubilant popular uprising, topple the widely detested ruler, of three decades, President Omar Hassan al-Bashir. But, hopes for democracy, and an end to Sudan's international isolation, faltered 18 months ago, when the country's two most powerful generals united to, seize power in a coup. Those men, the army chief, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, and Lieutenant General Mohammed Hamdan, the commander of the powerful Rapid Support Forces paramilitaries, are now fighting each other. Here are other developments. The UN Security Council issued a statement on Sunday condemning the violence and urging both sides to restart talks, a rare show of unity while the council's five permanent members are deadlocked over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony J. Blinken, spoke to his counterparts in Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and said they all agreed on the need for negotiations and an immediate end to the fighting. There were signs on Sunday that fighting was spreading across the sprawling western region of Darfur where Mr. Bashir's government oversaw a campaign of genocidal violence beginning in 2003. Reports of clashes in the region's major cities and several other towns are especially worrisome because Darfur is home to several heavily armed rebel groups that analysts fear could get sucked into the fight. Neither side has indicated a willingness to meet for talks. General Hamdan told Al Hadith TV that there will be no negotiations with the head of the army, General Al Burhan. We have no agreement with Burin, he said. He should surrender. While Sudan, which gained independence in 1956, has had more successful coups than any other African country, none have involved such intensive combat between two wings of the armed forces in the center of the capital. Violence also appeared to be spreading in eastern Sudan, with reports of clashes in the cities of Kaderif and Kassala. 
the Sudanese army posted a video on Facebook showing its troops at the entrance of the Rapid Support Forces headquarters in Kadarif, pointing weapons and stepping on a photo of General Hamdan, the head of the paramilitary force. The Times could not independently verify the images. As clashes between rival military forces in Sudan entered their second day, violence had spread to an area of the country long tormented by conflict and displacement, the rest of western region of Darfur. Adam Regal, a spokesman for the General Coordination for Refugees and Displaced in Darfur, an aid agency, said that 12 people had been killed and wounded on Saturday in a camp for displaced people in the North Darfur region. He also said that clashes had spread to the cities of Nyala in South Darfur, El Fasher in North Darfur and Zalingiai in Central Darfur, forcing many people to flee displacement camps in their homes in those towns. In Nyala, residents reached by phone said that intense fighting was going on Sunday morning between the army and the Rapid Support Forces paramilitary group for the control of the airport. The security situation, in my estimation, is difficult and dangerous, Mr. Regal said in a text message. On Saturday evening, the Central Committee of Sudanese Doctors asked doctors in El Fasher to come to the nearest hospital and provide care, citing the large number of injured and critical conditions that require urgent surgical intervention. For two decades, Darfur has been beset by genocidal violence that has killed as many as 300,000 people and displaced over 2 million others. The violence was overseen by the former dictator Omar Hassan al-Bashir, who was indicted on charges of genocide, war crimes and crimes against humanity in Darfur by the International Criminal Court in The Hague. The Rapid Support Forces emerged from militias that supported the Sudanese government in its assaults on Darfur. Even after a popular uprising deposed Mr. al-Bashir in 2019, the violence in Darfur has not abetted. Ethnically motivated attacks, largely against ethnic African communities, have forced hundreds of thousands of people to flee their homes in the past two years. In late March, violence in West Darfur alone drove about 30,000 people to seek shelter across the border in Chad, according to the United Nations. Many people in Darfur also face food insecurity because of floods and conflict over land and grazing areas. With the army and the rapid support forces now clashing in Darfur, analysts worry that the violence could draw in other armed rebel groups in the region, many of which have crisscrossed the porous borders to fight as mercenaries in countries including Chad and Libya. When the generals were on the same team, they did untold damage to Darfur, said Khalid Kerr, founding director of Confluence Advisory, a think tank in Khartoum. But as enemies, they could do a lot more. Fighting is spreading rapidly across Darfur, the sprawling, western region that covers an area the size of Spain. It adds an especially combustible element to the chaos, Darfur is already home to several heavily armed rebel groups that could get sucked into the fight. It is also a major gold mining region and has been a base for troops from Russia's Wagner private military company. We don't know what's happening, Abdelmanium said by phone on Sunday morning as a fighter jet flew by, creating a deafening noise. The streets are so quiet. You can't even hear the sound of stray dogs, she said. The only sound is that of bullets, explosions and fighter jets. And the only smell in the air is the stench of gunpowder and ash. 
One resident of Khartoum, who asked to be identified by her first name Huda for security reasons, lives between two major flashpoints of the conflict. Her family has hid in their home for much of Saturday. We're not even able to look around outside of the house, she said, because you don't know what is going to happen next. The fighting in Sudan between rival leaders and the armed forces erupted at a significant moment for its Muslim-majority population, the last 10 days of the holy month of Ramadan. During Ramadan, Muslims abstain from food and water from dawn to dusk and engage in reading the Quran and helping the poor. But the last 10 days are considered the holiest in the entire Islamic calendar because they bookend the anniversary of the evening when the Quran was revealed to Prophet Muhammad. Because of that, Muslims double their efforts during those days by giving charity, studying religious texts and staying in mosques for longer periods as part of a practice known as itikaf. On Saturday, the timing of the armed clashes in Khartoum, the capital of Sudan, and other cities shocked many African leaders who called on the rivals to put down their weapons and let citizens enjoy the holiest period of Ramadan. Musa Faki Mahamat, the chairman of the African Union Commission, called on both groups to immediately stop the destruction of the country, the terrorization of its people, and the shedding of blood during the last 10 days of Ramadan. In a statement, Ethiopia's Prime Minister, Abi Ahmed, said the clashes violate the ancient Sudanese norms and values because they come in the last days of the holy month of Ramadan. Kenya's president, William Ruto, also concurred, saying all differences should be addressed for dialogue for the sake of the security of the people of Sudan and stability in the country and the region, especially during this holy month of Ramadan. In Sudan, Ramadan is considered a joyous celebration, with families and friends coming together to share foods like samosas, dates, sweet tea and asida, a semolina-based flour dish. But for many Sudanese, this Ramadan comes during an arduous period, with the country facing food insecurity because of poor harvests, steep food prices and a spiraling economic crisis. More than 15 million people across the country are already suffering from food shortages and rampant inflation, said Islamic Relief, the non-governmental organization. On Saturday evening, as the hour to break the fast got closer, gun battles in parts of the capital quieted, several witnesses said. Residents who were stuck in their homes all day then rushed out to buy bread, dates and watermelons to quench their hunger and thirst. After starting as a camel trader who led a feared militia accused of atrocities in Darfur, Lt. Gen. Mohamed Hamdan has steadily amassed influence and riches in Sudan over the past two decades as he rose toward the pinnacle of power. Even when his one-time patron, the autocratic ruler President Omar Hassan al-Bashir, was ousted by pro-democracy protesters in 2019, General Hamdan turned it to his advantage, swiftly abandoning Mr. al-Bashir and, in the past year, reinventing himself as a born-again Democrat with aspirations to lead Sudan himself. At the same time, he allied himself with Russia and its Wagner private military company, whose mercenaries guard gold mines in Sudan and which has supplied military equipment to his forces. But General Hamdan faced perhaps his toughest challenge yet on Saturday, as fighting raged across the capital between his powerful paramilitary group and the Sudanese army under General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan. This man is a criminal, General Hamdan said in an interview with Al Jazeera on Saturday, lashing out against General Al-Burhan, the army chief who until Saturday was technically his boss and is now his mortal enemy. This man is a liar, General Hamdan continued. This man is a thief.
he destroyed Sudan. The army hit back, with a spokesman disparaging General Hamdan a rebel. But the heated language brought home to many Sudanese that, despite his earlier talk about democracy, General Hamdan, a commander with a long record of ruthless action, was literally fighting for his future. And it was a reminder of a depressing reality, although protesters ousted the widely reviled Mr. al-Bashir in 2019, the military leaders who thrived in his brutal system of rule are still fighting to dominate the country. General Hamdan cut his teeth as a commander with the Janjaweed militias that carried out the worst atrocities in the western region of Darfur. The conflict, which began in 2003, displaced millions and caused the deaths of as many as 300,000 people. His ability to crush local rebel groups won him the loyalty of Mr. al-Bashir, who in 2013 appointed him to lead the newly created Rapid Support Forces. After protesters flooded the streets of Khartoum in early 2019, roaring for Mr. al-Bashir's ouster, General Hamdan turned on Mr. al-Bashir, helping to push him out of power. But two months later, in June 2019, when protesters demanding an immediate transition to civilian rule refused to leave a protest site, General Hamdan's rapid support forces led a brutal assault. His troops burned tents, raped women and killed dozens of people, dumping some of them in the Nile, according to numerous accounts from protesters and witnesses. At least 118 people were killed, according to Sudanese medics. General Hamdan denied any role in the violence and bristled at those who referred to his fighters as Janjaweed, despite the militia's key role in his rise to power. Janjaweed means a bandit who robs you on the road, he told the New York Times. It's just propaganda from the opposition. Since then, the Rapid Support Forces has evolved into far more than a gun-toting rabble. With about 70,000 fighters by some estimates, the force has been deployed to quash insurgencies across Sudan and to fight for pay in Yemen as part of the Saudi-led coalition. War also made General Hamdan very rich, with interests in gold mining, construction and even a limousine hire company. He has also emerged as a surprisingly agile politician, traveling across the Horn of Africa region and the Middle East to meet with leaders and developing close ties with Moscow. Before rival factions of the army began clashing, the people of Sudan were already facing multiple crises, rising inflation, escalating unemployment levels and mounting hunger. And then on Saturday, they woke up to heavy gunfire and explosions as the army battled with a large paramilitary force in areas across the capital, Khartoum, and other cities. The clashes came after 17 months of military rule, civilian protests and interminable political wrangling over how the northeastern African nation will transition to democratic rule. The generals are fighting over resources and influence, said Bassam Mohammed, 23, an engineering student who resides in the southern Jabra neighborhood of Khartoum. Mr. Mohammed, who has regularly participated in protests against the military, said he and his brother had been worried and had sheltered at home all day. During an interview, sporadic gunshots could be heard in the background. We are fearful, Mr. Mohammed said. The situation will get worse in every possible way in Sudan, especially if the clashes develop into a civil war. Other Sudanese said they had been anticipating the unfortunate turn of events. 
In recent weeks, tensions had been simmering between General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, the chief of the army, and Lieutenant General Mohammed Hamdan, the leader of the Rapid Support Forces, a powerful paramilitary force. I am not surprised at all, said Gail Youssef, a Sudanese artist in Khartoum. Unfortunately, on the one side is a militia force and on the other side is a general who is making the national army into a militia so that it could help him stay in power. The latest clashes, he said, undermine the efforts of all the Sudanese people who went into the streets to fight for democracy during the 2019 popular uprising. It is like it happened for nothing, he said. Others were caught off guard by the violence. Nisran Ilaman, an American and Sudanese citizen, had arrived in the country only two weeks ago with her three-year-old daughter to conduct academic research. It was her child's first trip to the country. They were awakened on Saturday morning to the sound of heavy gunfire. We just looked out the window and there was this cloud of smoke over Khartoum, said Ms. Ilaman, who had just broken her Ramadan fast when she spoke over the phone Saturday evening. We were hearing these kinds of missile-like sounds. It shook the whole building. Ms. Elaman said her plans had now been appended. She said her family has been without electricity since Saturday morning and was relying on their building's backup generator to keep their phones charged. Others couldn't believe it was really happening despite rumblings over recent days. Huda, who asked that her full name not be used out of security concerns, said she had long heard rumors of a potential conflict, but that what happened on Saturday was bigger than anything she could have imagined. She said her family has been imprisoned because their home in Khartoum's Arkawit neighborhood sits between two major flashpoints, to the north is the embattled airport, and to the south is Soba Camp, where much of the fighting began. At times, the sounds of gunfire and explosions were so close that, Huda said, it felt as if it was coming from next door. Several bullets had landed in the open-air courtyard in the center of her house. No one was hurt because she, her husband and their children hid in interior rooms all day, with the gates and doors shut. We're not even able to look around outside of the house, she said, because you don't know what is going to happen next. The sense of uncertainty only grew as night fell. Mukwakwakwoi Egani Dong, a 21-year-old living in southern Khartoum, has watched the situation deteriorate on television and social media all day after waking up to the sound of gunshots so loud that he immediately knew something was wrong. When he stepped outside, the whole city was just war, he said. Mr. Don, who left South Sudan as a teenager to pursue an education, said the fighting was especially upsetting for him as a young person. He said doesn't know whether he is expected to report to his job as a translator and security guard at the Russian embassy in the morning, but that he does know the fighting isn't over. Tomorrow, he said, there might be war again. One of the rival factions of the Sudanese armed forces fighting on Saturday is led by General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, a powerful military commander who has for years been a de facto leader of the African nation. Little known before 2019, General al-Burhan rose to power in the tumultuous aftermath of the military-led coup that ousted Omar Hassan al-Bashir, the authoritarian leader who was deposed after popular uprisings in 2019. Then the Inspector General of the Armed Forces, he had also served as a regional army commander in Darfur when 300,000 people were killed and millions of others displaced in fighting from 2003 to 2008. 
General al-Burhan had been closely aligned with Mr. al-Bashir. But when Mr. al-Bashir was ousted, his defense minister, Lt. Gen. Awad Mohammed Ahmed ibn Auf, took over, pushing protesters to demand for his resignation. When Gen. Ibn Auf stepped down, Gen. al-Burhan replaced him, becoming the most powerful leader of the country in a tenuous transitional period. Gen. al-Burhan then went on to, progressively tighten his grip, on Sudan. After civilians and the military signed a power-sharing agreement, in 2019, Gen. al-Burhan became the chairman of the Sovereignty Council, a body that would oversee the country's transition to democratic rule. But as the date for the handover of power to civilians got closer in late 2021, General al-Burhan seemed reluctant to hand over power. As tensions rose, Jeffrey Feltman, the U.S. envoy to the Horn of Africa at the time, arrived in Sudan to talk with both sides. Despite his differences with the civilian side, Mr. al-Burhan gave no indication that he wanted to seize power. But on October 25, just hours after the U.S. envoy left, General al-Burhan detained Abdallah Hamdok, the prime minister at the time, in his own house, blocked the internet and seized power, effectively derailing the country's transition to democratic rule. Two weeks later, he also appointed himself the head of a new ruling body that he promised would deliver Sudan's first free election. But that did not assuage opposition groups and civilian protesters who continued to pour into the streets every week to demand his resignation and the end to military rule. In December 2022, the military, represented by General al-Burhan and a coalition of civilian pro-democracy groups, signed a preliminary agreement brokered by members of the international community to end the political standoff. But that deal did not satisfy the demands of some civilians who continued to protest, or his biggest rival, Lt. Gen. Mohamed Hamdan, the leader of the Rapid Support Forces, a powerful paramilitary group.